Today we're going to be taking a look at a passage of Scripture where various people with different backgrounds, ethnicities, and needs will be coming to Jesus for various reasons. But we'll also be taking a look at a particular person, a father, who comes to Jesus because he's in desperate need because his son is dying. And Jesus will answer his request far beyond what he was expecting. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 39. And we're going to keep talking about just the kind of God that he is. The context is simply this. Jesus, having traveled, been traveling from Jerusalem and having spent some time in Judea, decides to go through Samaria, which is unlike most Religious Jews of the day, they would avoid and take the extra distance to go around Samaria. But Jesus chose to travel through it. And in his humanity, he was tired. So he rested by a well. And his disciples went to the town of Sychar to buy food. And during that time that the disciples were gone, he had a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Again, which was unusual as first in that culture Men didn't talk to women who weren't part of the family. And second, she was a Samaritan. And as he starts the conversation, she even mentions that you being a Jew, you're talking to me and you're asking me for water. And they have a conversation between the difference of well water and living water. And they go through some other uh, theological uh, situations. And Jesus plainly tells her that he is the Messiah after having uh, told her about her life. And she goes to the town when the disciples come, leaves her water pot. And disciples are kind of aghast why he would Jesus would be speaking to this woman. And um, Jesus says that he's consumed food that they don't know about. And again, they're confused because they think of physical things. And Jesus is saying, I'm sustained by doing the will of God and accomplishing his work. And then Jesus talks about the fact that uh, they're going to be participating in harvesting that they had not planted or, or sown. And as the men from Sychar were approaching, he had this conversation. And that is where we are. As the men from Sychar have come and they're now here. So they says, so we see the woman say, come See a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And so this woman goes after having this conversation with Jesus. And Jesus, having told her about her life and plainly saying that I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, she goes and she testifies to what she has experienced. She has seen who she believes is the Messiah of who he has been and what he has done and what he said. So I want you to first think when you are intimidated about witnessing, remember this woman. Her background was less than stellar. She's married five times and now living with someone. She was a Samaritan, which was considered a half-breed and contemptible. And so she had all of this baggage, if you will, 
None of us are perfect. And so the question isn't what our background is. The question is, who are we testifying about? So she goes to the town and notice she's talking to men. So she didn't go to a women's Bible study. She went and went to the men and said, I believe I found the Messiah. Check him out. And they went out of the city and were coming to him. And so that's where we see the, the men coming and Jesus talking about the field being white with harvest. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food you do, do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent to you to reap that for which you have not labored and others labored and you have entered into their labor. And from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all things that I have done. So notice she's witnessing to these people and they are coming to faith from her testimony. Again, she doesn't have a stellar background. She's not a man. She's not a rabbi. And yet, because of her experience with Jesus, they come to faith in him. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. Now, I want you to see there's a difference here. Jesus left Judea because of opposition. Jesus left because they wanted to get rid of him. And yet here are these half-breeds. Here are these people that we're not supposed to come into contact with, and they are coming to Jesus in faith because of the testimony of this woman. And because they meet Jesus, they go, we want to hear more from you. We want you to teach us. We want to strengthen our faith. And so Jesus stays two more days. He doesn't just travel through Samaria. He stays there to work. And then notice this, many more believed because of his work. And so there were those who came to Jesus because of the testimony of the woman. But there were others who came to Jesus to find out more about Jesus because they weren't quite convinced with the woman's testimony. And having met Jesus, they came to faith. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. So having contact with Jesus and having been around him and learning from him, they said, 
Yeah, we started our faith because of your testimony, but because we met and learned of him, we now believe because of that. And that's why it is so important when we lead people to Christ, that we don't just say, wonderful, I knocked my Bible, another soul saved. We need to teach them about Jesus. They need to get into the Word and to learn more of Him so that their faith is not rested on our testimony, but rested on the testimony of the one who came to save them. Because let's face it, if you come based on my testimony, there's going to come a time, if there hasn't already, where I'm going to let you down. And you're going to think that I'm not the Christian I ought to be. But that's why this woman is so great. She was not who she should have been, but she wasn't testifying, look at me. Her testimony was, look at him. And that's what we need to do. We need to testify about Jesus. All too often we want to say, well, Jesus changed my life, and praise God he does, and I hope he changes it more. But the testimony isn't that he changed my life. The testimony is he's the son of God. He came because he loved us, because he loved the Father, and he was obedient to the Father, and he came to save us all, to transform our lives. About him, not about me. And after two days, he went forth from there into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Now, I've read the, it's funny, it's, I read the scriptures, I determine how I'm going to preach, and after I do all that, I read the commentary. The commentaries are all over the place when it comes to what Jesus is saying here. Someone's saying, well, maybe it's, maybe they're quoting him before and maybe it should come later and he's in Samaria and, and what are you talking about? I thought it was very obvious. So I guess I'm really ignorant. Because here's what I think is really obvious. Jesus spent two days with a bunch of Samaritans who came to faith. He had to leave Judea because they were against him. He's going to Galilee, where in his own town, Nazareth, they're going to say, well, isn't he a carpenter's son? Isn't that the son of Joseph and Mary? In essence, they're saying, he's not impressive. They come only to see signs and wonders, and they seek, to get rid of him, and there are times when he goes to Capernaum when they try to kill him, try to throw him off a cliff. He's not receiving any honor in his own country. He came to the Jews, and they received him not. He's saying, I went to a bunch of people that no one cared about, and they came to faith fairly easily. I'm going to my people, and they keep refusing to believe. Because the prophet is without honor in his own country. And today that's true. So many times, young men and women who grow up in a church have to go to a different church to do leadership because they've always thought that that's just little Johnny and he'll never amount to anything. And they have to go 
or you may have somebody who actually knows about electrical wiring. But we got to hire an electrician because this guy doesn't have the briefcase. We're always deciding you got to have some kind of degree to be that. If you didn't go to seminary, you're not worth much. Unfortunately, there are a whole lot of pastors who are a lot better off never having gone to seminary. So, that applies even today. Now, I am the exception to the rule because I grew up in this church. But only a few of you knew that. So, uh, a lot of you only know me as this old guy. Um, but, I mean, but this church is unique in the fact that this kid who started coming to church at the age of 12 actually eventually someday became its pastor. So pray for us because I'm the pastor. And so Jesus is saying, I'm without honor. And it's obvious because the work is easier with people who aren't my own. So when he came to Galilee, the Galilean received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. Now this is kind of subtle. Notice it said that they received him because they saw the things that he did. Which means what they want him to do is do more things. We heard you heal people. We heard you do these things. You did all these kind of... Show us more signs and wonders. We want to see signs and wonders. The Samaritans came because they heard about a testimony and they came and met Jesus because they found faith. They came, the Galileans, because they want to see miracles. Which is not unlike a lot of churches today. People go because they want to see a miracle. They didn't go there to meet Jesus. They go there to see the neat things happening. The wrong reason to come to Jesus. He only does the miracles to validate who he is so that you believe him, not his signs and wonders. He has performed one sign that is all that is necessary for me. He rose from the dead. Now I believe he walked on water. I believe he turned wine in, water into wine. I believe what he's what we're going to be seeing in a moment. I believe all these miracles. But I don't believe that he is Savior because of the miracles. I believe in the final miracle that he was raised from the dead, which confirmed that he is the Son of God. Samaritans come from testimony. Galileans come because they want to see really neat stuff. Therefore, he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine, and there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. So we have a royal official. We have somebody, we're not told his ethnic background. He's probably a Gentile. He's a part of the establishment, but he's in the upper class. He's a part of the government. He's a royal official. And so 
his son is sick. And so when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, I understand this man's plight. I praise God to up to this point, other than by some accidents, my children or grandchildren never been at the point of death. Um, there was a couple of serious accidents. Uh, but I was too naive to think that there was ever at the point of death. But I, I understand when your child is sick, you want to do anything to heal that child. You can see on television the various advertisements of children who have childhood cancer. And, they, and intentionally they're doing that, but it tugs at your heart because these poor innocent children are suffering and you wish it were not so. Or you see other advertisements about uh, birth defects and, and other disabilities and you wish that it were not so and you're glad that there are people who are trying to change this. And so you can understand people wanting and desperate to see that their children are healed. And this royal official is no different. His son is at the point of death and he's seeking healing. Oh, he believes that Jesus will cause his son to live. That his son won't die because of what Jesus does. And so Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Now, fortunately, the you is plural. So he's not only talking to this uh, royal official, he's also talking to the Galileans. That's why I said they came to see miracles. They didn't come to be in the presence of the Messiah. They came to see the greatest show on earth. Kind of like the kid whose mom uh, has never gone to church before and she didn't want to go, so she gives him a dollar to put in the offering plate. He goes to church. You know, they sing some songs. There's a sermon or whatever, puts the dollar in the offering plate, and he goes home, and the mother says, what did you think of church? He goes, it's a pretty good show for a dollar. And that's kind of what we have here. Everybody's going, Jesus is the greatest show on earth, and we don't have to pay a dollar. We just get to watch. And Jesus is saying, you simply will not believe unless you see signs in one. But the royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. You see that the father is desperate. The father doesn't want his son to die. And he is going to be persistent in his outreach to Jesus to come and save his child's life because that's what a loving father will do. And he's not taking no for an answer. Jesus said to him, go, your son live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. Notice, he didn't say, well, wait a minute. Capernaum is a, a ways away and we're in Cana. You need to come and you need to heal him the way I think you need to heal him. You need to lay your hands on him and you need to speak magic words. And you need to do all the things. 
And Jesus says, no, your son will live. And he believed. A bunch of Samaritans believe. Galileans won't. Royal official who may be a Gentile believes at the word of Jesus. And instead of continuing to implore Jesus to come, he believes Jesus and leaves. And as he was now going down, his slave met him, saying that his son was living. Now you've gone from faith to reality. You've now been confirmed. Jesus said, my son, your son will live. And I, he believed it. And before he even gets home, he doesn't have to wait for the word. The slave comes and says, your son's living. Good news. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So he was precise in when the child started getting better. So the father knew that it was at the hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household. He came to faith all the more. Because that initial steps of faith of believing that Jesus was true to his word when he said, your son lived. And then, in fact, his son lived. And so not only did the father come to faith, but it says the whole household. Which means the mother, the other children, and probably the other slaves and servants. Because of what Jesus did. But here's the thing that the man didn't realize. His desperateness was for his son to continue living in this. But he got more than he asked. Because by the father and the whole household coming to faith, as Jesus said, then they have eternal life. The son lives, not just because he's going to continue and survive this illness, but because he will have eternal life. And not only will the son have eternal life, the father, the mother, and the whole household will have eternal life. He went there expecting a miracle of health and received a miracle of salvation. And here's what bugs me about me. And y'all, by y'all, I mean our church and other people. We will get so desperate about health or finances or other problems. But we never seem as desperate about our salvation. We, we come to God saying, heal me or heal my family or heal this or do that or do whatever thing. But we never come in the same desperation of God, save me. God, save this person. God, work a miracle in their lives that they may be believers. Because let's face it, the son will eventually die. They either die of old age or get run over by a chariot, fall out of a tree, 
Something will happen to this young man at some point. But because of the father's desperation about the physical health, now the son has eternal health and eternal life. And I wish we were as, as desperate about it. God, help me to believe and help my unbelief. Help me to be as desperate for my salvation and for my, the salvation of my family and those around me as much as I care about their health. For this, again, is a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judah into Galilee. The first sign that John is talking about is when he turned water into wine, and this is the second sign. Jesus performs many other signs, but John is going to tick off a couple of signs that's going to show who Jesus is. Jesus is creator with the water into wine. Jesus is healer because of what he's done. And he's going to show us who he is by what he does. But let's stop looking at what he does and start looking at who he is. He is our living hope. He's not our past hope. He's not a hope that once lived and died and is whatever. He is our living hope. And he's coming back again. His ministry was to teach. And everybody wants to teach and talk about how he taught us to be better us. When in essence, he taught us about who he is so that we might have faith in him. I hope we all get better because we all could use the improvement. You can be a fine, moral, upstanding person and be lost. Easier to see fine, upstanding, moral people than it is saved. I wish the saved one had a little more fruit in their life so that we weren't so secret. Desperate for salvation and desperate to stay in his presence. Just like the Samaritan, Jesus, stay with us longer. Teach us more. Be with us. We just want to be with you. You don't have to perform anything. Matter of fact, you don't even have to teach anything. Just be here. It's simply your presence. It's the greatest joy I can think of. But let's face it, Jesus is who Jesus is. And the mere presence of Jesus will have us to learn more of who he is by simply being in his Our living hope. Desperate. Desperate for that. And all God's people said.